0: Yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, Great to be together. Um, The thing that stood out to me from the coronation yesterday was that Westminster Abbey seemed to have some of the same challenges as the local church that we do here at Reading Family Church. So uh, uh, they must have got their rotors mixed up or something. But the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, seemed to be on the welcome team shaking hands with people on the door and also on the prayer team Anointing the King. So I don't know why church suite didn't show up like a clash in the rotors. Um, that was the thing that stood out to me. We've, um, we've been looking at the Apostles' Creed, which is this ancient kind of condensed formulation of what do Christians believe? What are the fundamentals? What are the basics? It's a kind of 100-word uh, summary of our million-word Bible, um, and we've been going through it. We've got two weeks left this week and next week. And um, this week we're looking at this section. So I believe in the Holy Spirit, which Liz introduced to us last week. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? And then the following three lines. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, and the forgiveness of sins. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. And remember we said that the creed, one of the ways that you can look at the shape of the creed is that it's, it, it's the work of God as Trinity. So the work of the Father, the work of the Son, and then the work of the Holy Spirit. So here, the red one is about the Father, the, the whatever the color that is. Green one is about the work of the Son, Jesus Christ. And then this section that we're in now is about the work of the Holy Spirit. So I believe in the Holy Spirit and his work in the worldwide church, in the local church, in the forgiveness of sin. So that's this section Uh, The other way of um, thinking about the creed is that it's a kind of a summary of the story of the Bible, so the story of God. And so you've got, in the past, you've got God as creator and Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. In the present, right now, Jesus is sitting in heaven at the right hand of the Father, ruling over everything, and the Holy Spirit is at work in the church and in the world. So this is the right now bit of the creed. And then in the future, we've got the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting, which is still to come. And we don't know when. And it could be this afternoon. (laughs) And so that is, so we're really at the moment, we're looking at the right now, what is God doing by his Holy Spirit in the church and in the world? And um, if we just uh, look at the kind of the next slide, please. Um, What we've got here is you've got, these kind of, the way these lines work, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, or the communion of the Holy Ones, the Holy Ones communion, and the forgiveness of sins. So you've actually got in these three lines, holy, holy, holy. Okay? Now in the, in the Old Testament, when Isaiah sees a vision of God, and he sees the angels singing, they're singing holy, holy, holy. Because anything that's said three times is really important. If I say I'm hungry, eh, but if I'm hungry, 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 you better bring the barbecue, right? And so holy, 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 and what we've got here is we've got that God is shown holy through his spirit, that God is shown holy through his worldwide church, and that God is shown holy in the the, the relationships in the local church. If you want to see the holiness of God, that's where you look to see it. And um, we've also got The Holy Catholic Church is talking about the church all around the world. So it's the global work of God the Holy Spirit. The communion of the saints is the work of God the Holy Spirit in the local church, as we're going to see today. And then the forgiveness of sins is the personal work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our uh, close relationships. And so today we're going to be looking at these three lines, okay? The Holy Catholic Church, what does it mean? And on each one... What we're going to do, we're going to do. An, what does it mean? An explanation, and then how should we live differently? So, a, an encouragement, explanation, encouragement uh, for each of these three lines, and for each one, I'm going to tell you a story from the 14-year-old me growing up in Cyprus. Okay, so if you don't get anything today, you'll have a little picture of what I was like as a 14-year-old. But hopefully, you see a lot more than that today. So that's what we're going to do. Now we're going to watch our creed video. And every week we've been reading along, following along. But this week we've got Brother Simon, who's part of our church, who's from Hong Kong, reading in Cantonese. So we won't be able to read along because most of us don't speak Cantonese. But if you do, feel free to follow along. Uh, But it would be great just to hear the creed read to us in one of the heart languages of one of the members of our church. Because this is truth that goes around the world. Okay, so let's roll that VT. VT. 卧显 sun, Chin lang tin Chunung, who Simon, thank you. We love you so much. So we're going to look at these three lines. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the communion of saints. And I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And I believe in them. I wonder, do you? And the first one is the Holy Catholic Church. So a story. uh, When I was 14 and growing up in Cyprus, uh, one day I was at the beach with my friends. And one of my friends found in the sand a 10-pound note. And he said... Do you know what i'm going to buy you all an ice cream and there was one kid with us who was new to our crew he wasn't part of our crew but he was we were trying him out and um and he said what even me and my friend said yeah i'm going to buy an ice cream for each and every one of you and he said it in greek because in cyprus we speak greek and in greek each And all of you, or each and every one of you, is catholos. Each and every one of you, catholos. And this is where we get this word catholic that comes into the English language. And what it means is each and every one, without exception. It's a very inclusive worldwide term. So when we say, I believe in the holy catholic church, uh, maybe you've felt a little confused when we've said that on Sundays and you've thought, but do I? Like, Sean doesn't wear a funny hat, and we don't have statues of Mary here, and what do we think about the Roman Catholics? And, but the way it works in English is Catholic with a capital C means the Catholic Church uh, with the Pope and the big churches in Rome, which I tried to visit once, but I was wearing shorts, and they wouldn't let me in because God does not want to see your legs or my legs. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, eh. It's just a building, right? The Catholic Church with a capital C, but Catholic with a small c means each and every one. So what what we're saying is, I believe in the worldwide church. I believe that any community of people who really believes the things that we've been talking about, who holds God as Father, who loves Jesus as the Son and celebrates His death and His resurrection, any community that's identifying as Christian and is celebrating these truths that they're brothers and sisters to us, that they're family to us all over the world. And so what it's saying is, I believe that I'm not just on my own here, but I'm part of a big family around the world, and that's wonderful. And we're we're a largest church, so sometimes it doesn't feel as important to a community like us, but little churches of three or four believers in a home somewhere, meeting secretly, underground, highly persecuted, truths like this are massive. I'm not on my own. I've got a big family, right? I've got, I've got friends all over the world who pray for me, who love me, who are part of me. So what we're saying is, I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is massive. I know these West Ham fans are always saying, our club is massive. But our club is massive, right? Our family all over the world all different languages, different places, different cultures. We've got someone with us today from Peru. Laura, we love you, we honor you, your faithfulness, your service to God, your perseverance, and you're there in Peru, and you're part of the family, yeah? Because each and every one Catholic, is that okay? And um, uh, just, we see this many places in Scripture, one of the wonderful places in Ephesians, and in the book of Ephesians, Paul paints a picture of the worldwide church as the body of Christ. And he actually builds on it in every chapter. It's quite unusual. Normally, Paul, in his letters, is quite ADHD with his um, metaphors. And he's pinging around, you know, the church is a body and a family and a temple. And you're like, you're trying to picture a body, family, temple. And it's very confusing. But in Ephesians, he builds this picture all the way through the book, every chapter uh, of the church as a body all over the world, whose head is Jesus Christ, whose members are stretched out into different countries, and the church in Mongolia is the finger of Jesus. You know, the church in England is the appendix of Jesus. Is it even necessary? Um, (laughs) And so, I'm sorry, I don't mean that. Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, we read this, and he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church which is his body the church is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all so when when Paul was persecuting Christians he has a Jesus appear to him and Jesus says why are you persecuting me and Paul's like hang on I wasn't I was persecuting Christians but Jesus is like why are you persecuting me Because if you're beating my body, you're beating me. Yeah? In English, we don't say, uh, my head has an ache. We say, I have a headache. I have a stomach ache. If one part of my body is hurting, the whole of my body is hurting. And so we're we're a worldwide body, and we know that. We feel that. When we hear news that's amazing from another part of the world, we celebrate. When we hear sad news from another part of the world in, in, in terms of the church, we feel pain with our brothers and sisters because we're identified with Jesus and identified with each other amen and so i just want to illustrate what does the church around the world look like right now at the moment okay so really quickly please i need one man and one woman who were born in africa quickly yep there we go a man and a woman born in africa please come on the stage thank you i need one person born in asia quickly You're born in Asia, Giles? (laughs) Amazing. Okay, uh, we need to choose now. (laughs) Right. Everybody cheer for Giles if you want him. (laughs) What's your name? Everyone cheer for Stephanie if you want her. (laughs) Oh, okay. Everyone's welcome, each and every one. Okay. Oh, dear. Um, We need one uh, person that was born in Europe, please. There we go. Yeah, yeah, come, 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 come. No, Anne, 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 we've got someone. Thank you. Well done. And I need one other. So if you weren't born in Africa, Asia, or Europe, maybe South America, maybe the Middle East, somewhere else. Anyone? Australia? Yeah, uh, that. Please come. Where were you born, brother? Caribbean, Caribbean, perfect. There we go. Right. Now, if you stand here. The worldwide church at the moment, if you took a sample of five Christians, this is what it would look like. Two from Africa. So if these are 20% each, right? The worldwide church at the moment is 40% African, 20% Asian, 20% North Atlantic, so that's European, North American, and 20% other, so that's South America, Middle East, Caribbean. The worldwide church at the moment looks like this. If you asked an alien to come and go, what is a Christian, and it did some research, it would, it would as a kind of average thing, it would come up with an African. Okay? Um, if you guys could sit down, you've done that really well. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's what our family looks like at the moment, right? Africa, 1.2 billion people in Africa, 600 million Christians. That's one in two Africans are Christian. So that means if you meet two Africans, one of them's a Christian. That's why the biggest churches in London, biggest churches across Europe are African churches, right? That's where the energy is and the momentum. If you find an African, get them to pray for you today. They'll probably bless you. <laughs> They'll pray long as well, hey? <laughs> Did you know there are more Christians in China than there are in the USA? Do you know that? So the language that we heard today, Cantonese, the creed being read, is the fastest growing Christian language in the world. Okay, there's going to be a lot of Cantonese in heaven. And um, Robert Schreiter, he says this, he says, What is most striking about the extension of Christianity around the world today is its great diversity, as it's been incarnated in so many different cultures of the world. We are indeed, for the first time, Part of a world church. It's just really nice to picture this is what the body of Christ looks like when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. That's what we're saying. I believe I'm part of a big body, and this is what it looks like. So, what do we do about that? Well, we love, we respect, we honor, we celebrate, we pray, we're aware, we track, we connect, we stay in touch, we learn from one another. We have all the privilege of going, if I'm the finger in the body, I want to learn from the knee on the other side of the world. You know, we, 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 we enrich ourselves by learning from each other. It's a privilege. It's a joy. It's a beauty. So that's a really happy line. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. When we say that, we say it with a big smile on our face, okay? Turn to someone near you and go, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. <laughs> Great. Okay, number two. I believe in the communion of saints. So if the first one is talking about the global church, this one is actually talking about the local church and what the local church feels like. And um, another story from 14-year-old me in Cyprus. I was walking in the mountains of Cyprus with my best friend, and um, we were kind of trekking for a few days. And um, we came across this place that we'd never seen before, and it wasn't on any of the maps. And... um, uh, it was the sign at the entrance to the place said that the it's this is the Koineia. It was Greek sign. This is the Koineia of wherever it was, Maroni or somewhere, right in some village. And what it was was it was a cooperative farm. So it was like it's like a kibbutz, like a commune, where everyone lived together, worked together, um, and then all shared in all the fruits of their. Produce right, so it was a it was a cooperative, it was a an interdependent farm, but the sign in Greek was this is a koinonia. okay. Now the reason that's important is because when we read, I believe in the communion of the saints. The word in Greek for communion is koinonia. So in other words, I believe that there is this thing that I'm part of, that is an interdependent, sharing, social, financial economy. I believe that I'm part of a community, I'm part of a fellowship, I'm part of a, a set of partnerships where we hold everything in common, where we hold everything together. That's the word that, that is being used here. Does that make sense? And um, this, this word... It comes up a lot in your Bible, but it's often translated in different ways. It might be translated as fellowship. It might be translated as communion. You know Americans use fellowship as a verb. We're fellowshipping together. Aside. Translated as fellowship, community, partnership, participation. But it's actually, in the New Testament, it's a technical term for the community of Christians who have decided to share their lives together as they follow Jesus. So for the local church community. And um, we see this most wonderfully depicted in Acts chapter 2 from verse 42. Let's just read this together. This is the Jerusalem church. We read, they devoted themselves to, and then there are four technical phrases here that they devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the teaching to the fellowship, the koinonia, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So there are four technical things that were defining the church here. The teaching, the one-anothering, the togetherness, the breaking of bread, the the communion, bread and wine, and the prayers. And what we read is, all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles... And all who believed were together and had all things in common. That's, that's what we're told this is as it explains it. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What a wonderful picture of the church. And um, my daughter Safi, last summer, she, was, uh, she spent the summer in Izmir in Turkey. And um, she said she had a great time, but she, she was staying with one of our churches there. And she came back and she said, the thing that struck me most about it was that I could never work out what belonged to who. She said, we'd be in a car, and he'd be driving, and the next day, she'd be driving the same car, and the next day, another... person. Pa- it's like, I don't know who owns this car. They seem to all own it. And she'd be in a house, and she would be like, I couldn't work out whose house it was, because everybody was there. Everybody was cooking. Everybody was cleaning. Everybody was sleeping over. Everyone was, you know, she was like, I was just really confused. She said, there was even a baby. <laughs> she said, I could not work out whose baby it was. Because everybody was feeding it, everybody was changing its nappy, everyone was looking after it. And, and it really struck her. And she said, what a wonderful expression of church. And um, we read in uh, 2 Corinthians 8.15, again, this word coined in here it comes up a lot in your New Testament. It says, as it's written, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. It's a lovely picture. It's like the family of God is lots of different vessels. And one of the things you learn in science is that when you pour water into something, it kind of finds its level all the way across. And it's like we're all different vessels and the grace of God is poured in. And what you don't get is that some have lots and some have not very much. What you have is that the grace of God finds its level in the community. It flows from fullness to emptiness. And if you're here today and you feel quite empty and you think I've got nothing to contribute, I've got nothing to bring, I'm scraping, you know, it's, it's dry at the bottom of my, you know, there's dust and spider's webs at the bottom of my vessel, right? That's what my soul is like. That's okay. Let the fullness flow to you from others and you just receive. You don't have to contribute. You don't have to, like, you just be here and, and it flows from fullness to emptiness. And if you're here today and you, you've got loads, I don't know, loads of joy, Loads of energy, loads of time, loads of skills, loads of resources, you're good at stuff. Let that flow into other people's lives. And so he, he who has, too, he has much should not have too much, and she who has little should not have too little. Amen? What a wonderful picture of the communion of the saints, the, the fellowship, the local church. That's what we're talking about here. And um, John Stott, he said this. He said, Jesus died and rose again, not only to save sinners like me, though he did, but also to create a single new humanity. Not only to redeem us from sin, but also to adopt us into God's family. Not only to reconcile us to God, but also to reconcile us to one another. The church is an integral part of the gospel. The church is an integral part of the gospel. The gospel is good news of a new society as well as of a new life. That's why when we look at the creed and we say these are the irreducible minimum statements, this is the essential for what it means to be Christian, and you've got God as Father and Creator, you've got Christ as Redeemer and Lord, but you've also got the church. That's part of the irreducible minimum of what it means to be a Christian, is to be in a church community. So you can't say, oh yeah, I love the Father, I love Jesus, I love the Spirit, but I hate the church. Because Jesus will go, well that's my body that you hate in." And you can't say, I'm fine with God on my own in my house watching videos on YouTube, but I don't like other people. I understand that. There's lots of people not to like, right? look to your left, look to your right. But you cannot become a fruitful, living, growing disciple of Jesus Christ on your own. Because a lot of being a disciple is about being patient with people, forgiving people, loving people. You can't do that on your own. If I'm on my own, I think I'm smashing Christian life, but then I talk to people. Right? And they knock bits off me, and I knock bits off them, and that's how we grow. You know, the the picture of the body of Christ is a body, and you're the elbow in the body of Christ. That's great, but what use is an elbow on its own floating around in the ether? It needs to be connected to an arm, and it needs to be connected to a shoulder. Who are you connected to? Uh, You know, your living stones, it says, built together to make a temple. That's great, but what use is a living stone lying on its own in the middle of a field? It's got to be built in with some people. Who are you being built in with? So the communion of the saints, it's a fundamental part, friends, of the gospel. It's a fundamental part of the gospel. That's wonderful. Because it means we're not trying to figure this stuff out on our own. My head drops. I love praying on my own, but if I'm only praying on my own, I'm just praying around the same stuff inside my head. Praying with other people helps me, right? I love reading the Bible on my own, but if I'm only reading the Bible on my own, I'm not learning from other people's insights and observations. We need each other. Wonderful. So, we've seen the Holy Catholic Church. And we've seen, I believe in the communion of the saints. Just turn to someone and go, I believe. In the communion of the saints. But only if you mean it, obviously. And then the third one, the final line, the final piece for today is, and I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Okay? And this, this it doesn't stand on its own. It's part of this section of the creed. It's part of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's part of the community of God. The forgiveness of sins. And um. And third story from when I was 14 growing up in Cyprus. Uh, We went to watch basketball quite a lot. And there was a lot of fighting in between the supporters of different teams. And when we were 14, we thought that was cool. And um, one time, a group of uh, my friends were fighting with a group of supporters of another basketball team. And a bunch of guys from the other team grabbed one of my mates and they held him and they were beating him. So they're holding him. And they're punching him. And we were all shouting at them, Aphisto, Aphisto in Greek, which means, let him go, release him, let him go. Okay, release him, let him go. Now, this word in this sentence, the forgiveness of sins, the Greek word that we have translated forgiveness here is Aphisto, Aphesis. In other words, I believe in the release from sins. That's the New Testament word. When when Jesus said the forgiveness of sins will be preached all over the world, it's this word, release from sin. It's, it's It's like my mate's being held and we need him to be released. That's the word. It's kind of liberation, deliverance, freedom from sin. It's a big word. It's a powerful word, okay? Now, we often think about forget sin as small things that are inside us. And that's true. The Bible talks about sin in two different ways. Sin is small things that come out from inside you. That you're like, no, get back in there, right? Things that you say, things that you think, things that you do, things that you regret, stuff that comes out of you. That is, those are sins. And the Bible talks about those things make you like dirty, like they come out and they leave a stain and need washing clean. And so there's, there's, forgiveness is the washing clean from the pollution that created by sins. That's true. The second way that the Bible talks about sin, which is a uniquely Christian thing, you won't find this understanding in other religions. Every religion has the idea of sin as something that comes out from you that pollutes you. But the second way that the Bible talks about sin is sin is like a big power at work in the world, and we are like its slaves. So we're the slaves of sin. It's like sin is a big tyrant. Sin is like Pharaoh that controls people. And we're need to be we like the slaves in Egypt who need to be set free. Where Moses says, let my people go and let's smash Pharaoh and let's get the people out. And so there needs to be a, a deliverance, a liberty from the power of sin. So sin is both. It's the small things that come out from inside us, but it's also this big power that's at work in the world. Which is why we see systemic injustice. It's why we see sin at work through power and politics in different ways. It's why we see structural sin in the world. And, and the death of Jesus, friends, brings freedom from both. The death of Jesus, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross, washes us free from the pollution of sin. So that there is an internal forgiveness in your conscience. You can be free. You can know that you're forgiven. But also the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and the triumph over evil delivers us from the power of sin. And, And it's like it smashes Pharaoh and says, let my slaves come free. And there's a coming out from under the power and the control of sin, so that where we were once slaves of sin, it's like, I don't have any choice. I have to think these things. I can't get free of it. Actually, no, there's a power that comes to deliver you, to break the chains, to set you free. And where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And so we see both, and we see our Lord Jesus sets us free from both. Now, the question that we've got to ask then in I believe in the forgiveness of sins, is, is it just talking about my relationship with God? Or are we still on this section in the creed where it's about the community? So is it, I believe God forgives my sin, or is it, I believe that actually I forgive other people their sins in the community? And the answer is, it's both. It's both. It's both. And in the teaching of Jesus, these two are inseparably linked. So, vertical forgiveness, God forgives me. Horizontal forgiveness, I forgive Scott. You're welcome. Right? (laughs) It's both. The cross is vertical and horizontal. New life with God, new society in the world. Both. And in the Lord's Prayer, in the teaching of Jesus, the two are inseparably linked. So, the Lord's Prayer, yeah? Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, as we also have forgiven those who sinned against us. It's both. We pray that every day. Every day, God, forgive my sin. And every day we pray, God, I forgive those who've sinned against me. That's part of what we do every day. And then, and then it's, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But we don't often read the next verse in Matthew. So Matthew 6 and 14. Jesus then says this. He explains it. Because if you forgive others their sins your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. So in Jesus' mind, there's a connection. Because freedom from sin means there's a freedom that comes to me that can overflow from me to other people. Free people, free people. And, And Jesus shows it in another place, the parable of the unmerciful servant. You remember the story. Peter says, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times, Peter thinks he's big stuff. He thinks seven's really impressive, right? You slap me, I forgive you. You slap me, I forgive you. You slap me, I forgive you. Seven, man. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. A lot more than that. And he tells a story. And the story is, there's a, there's a servant who owes the king an enormous, unpayable, massive debt. And the servant falls on his knees and says, oh, king, please forgive me my debt. Please, I'll never pay it. And the king says, Okay. I set you free from your debt. Incredible. The servant goes straight out from the palace, finds his mate who owes him 40p. (laughs) And his mate says exactly the same words that he's just said to the king. Oh, please, I can never pay you the 40p. Please forgive me. And this guy goes, hell no. Throw him in prison. Like, absolute, horrible response. And Jesus says... This action makes the community sad. All the other people in the story, they feel sad. Because they're like, we can see the injustice of this. And it makes the king angry. And so what we, what, we, what we see here is there is a connection between we've been forgiven so much. Surely you can forgive Joel for that little thing with the balloon on the screen there, right? <laughs> I forgive you, Joel. okay, and so, and I know it's hard to forgive, because it's not just an idea, it's often embedded in us with pain, with trauma, with bad memories, with a sense of injustice, with it costing us something that we're still paying, either really old things that we need to forgive that have and have got ingrained and crusty and have grown into our intestines and a part of us and you think I'm never going to entangle this or fresh things that are still sore that still hurt that are still live, that are still happening forgiveness is hard but that's why we're told that it's part of the section of I believe in the Holy Spirit it's the work of the Spirit in you to forgive people of course it's hard You can't raise the dead, the Holy Spirit does it. You can't heal the sick, the Holy Spirit does it. You can't forgive sins, the Holy Spirit does it, right? It's the work of the Spirit in us, through us. We receive forgiveness, we have freedom, we can share that freedom with other people, amen? The Bible says, freely you've received, freely give. So, to conclude, how are these three statements, the work of the Spirit? And what I want to do, just as we land, is just invite... The Holy Spirit to come right now come Holy Spirit we're talking about you but right now come and be present with us as you wonderfully are and work these things make them live just put your fire on each of us right now Holy Spirit so I believe in the Holy Catholic Church we thank you Holy Spirit that you're making a people all around the world That the church is a people of the Spirit, that diversity is a work of the Spirit, that unity flows from the Spirit, that mission to other places is by the leading of the Spirit. And I just, right now, I just want to bless any diaspora brothers and sisters who are with us. If you were born somewhere else, but now you're here and this is your church family, we bless you now in Jesus' name. We bless your church family back home that's connected to you. We bless the church um, back home in your nation. We bless your connection to family back home, the life of the Spirit flowing through you from this place to the different places where we're connected. We believe in the communion of saints locally, and it's the Holy Spirit who joins us to one another. The Holy Spirit who stirs things like hospitality and sharing and generosity and noticing a need and responding to it and asking for help and vulnerability. Come, Holy Spirit. We're good at this stuff, but make us better, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for those who have much to not have too much. I pray for those who have little to not have too little. Come, Holy Spirit, find a level of grace Wash through our community please let us represent your heart god in this way we bless here the gifts of hospitality we bless the generous we bless the sharers the carers the befrienders those who are looking out for the poor we bless the grace of god in this community we bless the lonely who are desperately looking for a family in jesus name pray for them And we thank you, Lord, that the forgiveness of sins is a work of the Spirit. Right now, I pray that each one here would know the forgiveness of their own sin, the joy, the freedom, knowing that God does not count it against us, knowing that it's washed clean, knowing that we've got a new heart, and new spirit in Jesus Christ, knowing the forgiveness that washes into us, knowing that freedom from the power of sin in Jesus' name, those who've been oppressed under powerful sin that have had that heaviness on them right now know a freedom in the name of Jesus by the power of the Spirit. And i I just release again in Jesus' name the work of the Spirit and forgiveness to one another, the healing of wounds. Make us good at forgiving. Let it be a daily thing that we're doing to forgive. Give us grace where it's hard. Heal pain where it's painful. Let us help each other where we need to help each other in this area. Holy Spirit, work in us to lead us into the grace of forgiving others. In Jesus' name.